Well, what's up, everybody? It is March 16th. It is Thursday, 9-17 on the East Coast, and we are back for another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia, and I am here by myself tonight. Uh, I have not heard from my tag team partner, Swan Humes, quite yet, but um, I'm sure he'll be here to jump in at any moment when he is available. So, yeah, what's up? We're here to talk about MMA down some of the things from this past weekend of action um look forward to this coming weekend of action and just talk about some of the news maybe i'll talk about some of the um ibjdf pan pan american championships is going down this weekend ncaa uh wrestling title uh, championship is going down as well um yeah man there's, there's a lot of going there's a lot of things going on a lot i could sit here and talk about but as always first and foremost i want to say I want to say I got hair in my mouth. I want to say thank you for um, listening to the show when you can, liking us, sharing, liking us on YouTube, sharing our content. I definitely appreciate y'all. I've been looking at some of our um, numbers the past few uh, weeks, and our numbers are slowly climbing. They're slowly stabilizing. So that is definitely awesome. Uh, I just think that it is pretty cool to see that that the show is finally growing, is growing in the right direction, but we, and we and can't do that without you guys. So I appreciate everyone who takes a moment to listen and like our content. But with that said, let's go ahead and look at we are talking about today. Let's see, first and foremost, let's see, let's see, let's see. We are talking about UFC Fight Night 106. And we're going to look at some of the fights from that night. We're going to look at UFC Fight Night 107, which is coming this weekend. And talk about some of the news from uh, this past couple of days. So first and foremost, we have UFC Fight Night 106, where in the main event, Kelvin Gastelum got a solid win over Vitor Belfort. I wouldn't call this his biggest win of his career, because I do think that the win over Tom, um, what the fuck was that guy's name? Tim Kennedy was much more important than this win, but... It's still a win nonetheless. So what do we do now? You know, Kelvin Gastelum is 24 years old. He's been set to fight uh, Anderson Silva next. I'm not sure what event that was, but I, I did see the announcement earlier this week. And there's been a lot of conversation if, if that's the right move. Personally, it's, I think it's a tough test for him because, you know, Anderson can still, can do, can still do some of the things that he was famous for. So just because he's getting up there in age and, and, you know, he is not the fighter he used to be, that doesn't mean he could be someone to take lightly. And it's funny because Yoel Romero and Vitor Belfort also called out Anderson Silva. So it's interesting to see that UFC decided to go with Gastelum, which I believe shows a clear, uh, clear path that they're trying to build up some of the talent on their roster. So do I think that this is a, a bad move? No, I, I think it's the right move in the right direction. It's the right time for him to kind of face somebody. And he's looking good at middleweight. What's up, sir? Hey, how's it going? I am doing well, sir. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You jumped in right on time because we just got started talking about uh, UFC 
Fight Night 106, and we just got done talking about the main event. We did get done, excuse me. We just got started talking about the main event where uh, Kelvin Gastelum got another win over Vitor Belfort. I'm not going to call it his biggest win because I think that win over Tim Kennedy was much more important, but it's still a solid win nonetheless. And now he's facing Anderson Silva in a few months. So what do you think about this, man? Talk, about, talk to me about that win and what's next for the former tough champion. Uh, the only reason I really considered a, a really good win, Alford looked really good. He fought really smart. He had like a game plan. He showed some flashes of athleticism. He showed some heart and some grit when he got put. He got dropped really bad in the first round, and um, Gaslam came down on him, was trying to finish it. Finish. He was able to work his way back up to the feet, and he had his moments on the feet. Like he had, he almost landed that spin kick. He was real close to it, and landed and won some exchanges on the feet. Um, but eventually, the whole the difference was Gaslam was so much younger, his timing was better. He he was just faster, faster overall. And um, it seems like at middleweight, it's hard to tell because he hasn't been fighting guys who's who've been really active, who have been on win streaks or in their prime. But it seems like at middleweight, he hits a whole lot harder than he did at welterweight, hitting anybody and people falling like that in welterweight. Not without him landing, you know, four, five, six shots in a row. Not not this one shot and guys falling over like they got shot in the head, which is what happened to Belfort on two separate occasions. Um, it's a good win for name value, and I see why he's doing the doing it the way he is because it's going to guarantee him big paydays. It's going to put put him in front of the fans. Fans are going to casual fans are going to know his name. They'd be more familiar with him if he can continue to win, and uh, that opens up some opportunities for him in middleweight. And um, I really think he wants to drop back to welterweight. But I'm thinking he's just going to take what he can get right now, hopefully build up his brand and kind of get it to the point where fans know him or relate to him and get behind him so that maybe he can call his own shots like some other fighters have. So do you think that – what do you like? Is, is Gaston growing on you? Because he's, he's not – I'm not going to say he's growing on me. Um, I was never – a huge fan of him you know i think he he has some tools and he his weight cutting issues always bothered me but it seems like moving up to 85 is finally it's the right move he's still talking about welterweight he's a stop just go ahead and stop talking about welterweight especially now that some commissions are trying to enact this new rule where they're not only taking 20 20 of your show money they're taking 20 percent of your win money as well so he might not want to think about missing weight again staying at middleweight okay let's let's do that um I like what he's doing. He's definitely talking more, and he made the right call out and calling out Anderson Silva. So what do you think the upside is of, of Kelvin Gastelum? How far can this guy really go? Well, the upside is, I mean, just in the past two fights, if you if, if you exclude the fact he was fighting guys who were well past their prime and guys who hadn't had wins and, you know, Kennedy had sat out for like a year, Belford hasn't really won a fight in a couple of years, if you take out those facts, he seems to be faster. He seems to be throwing more volume. He seems to hit a lot harder at weight class. So, if you, if what you knew of Kel, if you were impressed by what he was at welterweight, it seems like he's become a whole new fighter, a much more dynamic, a much more explosive, a much more offensive fighter at middleweight. And I'm not sure if that's actually true or if that's just a matter of him facing two guys he knows don't have the athleticism or the rec recuperative abilities to fight in exchange with him. Because I didn't see this Kel this Kelvin Gastelum at welterweight against uh, the better opposition at welterweight. He was tough. He put up good fights. He was always competitive. But I didn't see a guy who was so free with his combinations, and I didn't see a guy with devastating power. 
So I'm not sure if that's you attributed that to him moving up in weight or you attribute that to who he's been facing. But I mean, I, I've been a fan of his skills. I think he's a good fighter. I think he's got, I've always thought he had potential. It just, it, it, like you, his lack of discipline concerned me because as a fighter, it's almost inexcusable to misplate that many times. You know, it, it's gotten to the point where it's just a joke. And I, I agree with you, he should probably stay at middleweight. And I think he has some good opportunities in middleweight, but it's hard for me to really grasp how good he is and how dangerous he is because he's been facing guys who are just almost tailor-made for him. You know, Tim Kennedy's never been a great striker. He's not He's not a great athlete. The only chance he had was to really take Gastelum down and work him over. But Gastelum's a good wrestler himself, and he was faster, quicker, more explosive. So that's going to be a hard thing to take him down. And then Gastelum's a way better striker, striker than Kennedy. So when I, that fight was made, I wasn't really surprised by how that went. And him fighting Belfort, you know, Belfort didn't blow him out in a quick burst of offense. He wasn't going to win that fight. He wasn't going to win it over three hard rounds. So it's really hard for me to gauge what to think of him as he should be. He's doing it in dynamic fashion, but as to fought either one of those guys beat him in dynamic fashion. So what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's business-wise, business-wise, it's a good look because it makes him look devastating. It gets people behind him. He's going to have the UFC machine behind him because he's getting all these one-sided devastating wins, but I don't know what it means for him moving forward because I still think with his height and his defense, I think he could have problems against bigger and longer opponents. I actually think when, and it was a good move to call Anderson Silva, but I actually think Anderson, Anderson Silva is going to give him I really think Anderson Silva is going to give him some problems when he fights him, to be honest. And you mentioned, and it's good to call out Anderson Silva. Is he that guy now? Is he the guy that people are going to try to make a name off of? Well, I mean, that's what that's what you do. That's I mean, it's the same thing they do in boxing. It's what you do. You find faded contenders, faded champions, and you call them out because they have name recognition. That's going to bring in more crossover media, more crossover attention. In theory, since, it, since they're on the decline, you should win and win spectacularly. The good thing with fighting Anderson is unlike Kennedy, Belfort, Anderson, even though he didn't look great against Bisping, and he did enough damage on Bisping where it was a competitive fight, and people, in hindsight now, after seeing what Bisping did to Rockhold, can look at that performance a different way. So that was a good performance. And then he fought Brunson, and even though some people say he lost, some people said he won, fact of the matter is a guy who's in his prime who was a ranked middleweight couldn't really take him down landed um, and couldn't drop him or really hurt him and he was afraid to pull the trigger and put pressure on his 40s now so it makes Anderson look that much better because he's coming off a win over a ranked guy and the last fight he had before that he went tit for tat with the, the now current middleweight UFC middleweight champion so, so by facing him, it should answer a few more questions because he's facing a guy who's not going to be afraid to pull the trigger, a guy who's still got a bit of a chin, and a guy who's got enough seasoning and veteran savvy, even with top contenders. So this win, if he fights Anderson and will, wins, while it won't prove that he's the best at middleweight, it will prove that he, he can compete because Anderson's shown that if nothing else, maybe he can't beat he can't beat everybody at middleweight, but he, he's able to be competitive with them. So if Gastelum can beat him, be the first legit in my opinion it'll be his first legitimate win in middleweight because the other two were over guys who hadn't had a win in like a year year and a half beating a guy who's coming off a win 
later, that means something. But I still, I, I still argue the point that Anderson, Anderson can get gas, Gasolum. Gasolum is not really great with his defensive movements. His feet aren't really fast, and his his head movement isn't really sharp. <laughs> I really think that that Anderson can counter him. I think Anderson can counter him and land something big. I'm not saying it's totally likely. I'm not saying he won't have to take some fire to get. But I really believe Anderson can catch him on the counter and finish him. So I mean, like that's not. I definitely agree with you there. I think that um, it's it's a fight that Gastelum will be expected to win, but you never know. Not by, never, not by, huh? I'm not expect, I'm not expecting him to win. I know See, he should win. Yeah, he. That's what I mean. He should win. Like on paper, we look at him. Okay, this is a fight. This is a fight that he should win. However, we've seen crazier things happen in MMA. We've seen some foolishness go. We've seen some foolishness go down, and this is another situation where we could see that happening again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, he's being smart though. He's he's playing it up. He's talking more. He's riding the wave, and I know he's getting a lot more attention than he ever got at welterweight. And he's and he hasn't beat anybody who's either ranked or on a winning streak or had a win in a couple years. But he's getting more attention for these last two wins than he had over ranked guys at welterweight, and that's confusing in and of itself. But it shows that he's aware of the time, the side of the times, and he's playing he's playing the game cor- correctly from the business side. He's getting his name bigger. He's getting fights that aren't as challenging, and he's getting a chance to show off a different aspect of Kevin Gausland, the exciting, charismatic guy, the de- the guy who's a destroyer, the guy who beats legends. Even had a, like a little clever name for it. So he's he's playing the game right, but eventually at some point that game's going to have to stop, and we're going to have to see what he's about. And uh, and even though he's expected to be Anderson, I think Anderson's going to be the test. I think he has specific, strategic, and technical holes. That Anderson can take advantage of, and if nothing else, even though some people think he didn't beat Brunson, Brunson isn't a bad takedown guy. He had a hard time getting Anderson down. He's the big hitter. He hit Anderson. Anderson wasn't shook up when he hit him, you know. And he, when he countered him, Brunson didn't want any more of that. So, athletically speaking, Anderson's already beaten the guy who's bigger, stronger, faster, more dynamic than Gastelum. So it's a matter of if, if that Anderson still exists. I think he can take the damage. I think he can score the shots, and I think he can land it. A counter shot or, or a big knee or a big front kick or something of that nature that's going to put Gaslam away. And um, to be quite honest, even losing to Anderson is not going to hurt Gaslam per se. You know, he'll, he'll just be his excuse to move back to welterweight. Well, I wasn't big enough. I'll just move back to welterweight. So either way, he's, I'm sure he's got a plan out of his mind where he wins regardless of whether he beats Anderson or not. Yeah, like that. That's definitely some good breakdowns there, man. Let's um, let's move forward and look at some of the other things from the uh, fight there. Um, uh, keeps turning back the clock. Like he keeps turning back the clock. He had another big win. I mean, it was over Gian uh, Vellante. You know, it's kind of like you know, it is what it is. But um, when are we going to see the end of Shogun? I th- personally, I think he's already ran out of time as an elite guy. It's just it's too. It's and this was a light heavyweight, correct? Well, 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 yeah, it was. Yeah, light heavyweight. Especially with all the cuts, light heavyweight is thin. They just don't have a lot of world class. It's like heavyweight. They like maybe four or five, maybe six legit world class guys, and none of them can beat the actual champion, John Jones. But the thing about it, as long as you have Mauricio fighting guys who aren't world class or aren't elite, he's gonna have he's gonna have all the opportunities in the world to win because these guys have athleticism, they have youth, but what they don't have is any sort of cage IQ, and they don't have enough depth in their skills to really put him in the positions necessary for you to beat him. 
Vellante is not a dynamic wrestler. He's not a high-level wrestler. He's not a guy who chains takedowns together. He's not a high-level striker. He doesn't put his strikes together very well. Athletically, he 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 has some power, but he loads up too much. He makes it. He telegraphs himself, and he's very limited in what he can throw. And above all else, he's got really bad cardio. I've never seen a fighter gas as often and as quickly as he does routinely. So I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it's a good win because you you don't expect Hua to be on this kind of streak. He's actually on like I think on a three-fight win streak. Um, what I heard off um friend of the show, Connor Rebush from Podcast Heavy Hands, he was talking about this is the first three-fight win streak of of uh, Shogun's career in the UFC, which when I looked it up, I thought that was crazy. Like, a guy of his caliber has never put three fights together in his entire time that he's been in the UFC, and he's been in here for years. But the, the division he competes in is so weak, and the guys are so inexperienced and so limited technically, it allows somebody with his, who still has power, who still has a chin, and a guy who's been a veteran of the sport for, what, 10 13 years, it allows him enough, they have enough holes, that his margin for error is a little bit wider, and that's the difference. Against an elite guy, he can't get away with those things. He'd have some moments, but he'd get taken down to finish, he'd get counter and finish, or he'd just get overwhelmed with volume. But against guys who have who are younger, but are who, who are technically and physically limited, he's gonna eat them up all day, every day. All he did was stay throwing counter shots, and Volante had no answer for him. He's throwing the same right hand all fight long, and he hit Volante with it all fight long. And Volante had no concept of defensive measures. He had no idea of punching himself into a clinch and working for takedowns, setting up kicks with punches, using punches instead of takedowns. He just kept walking forward and getting beat up. And um, the worst part about it, his corner was telling him to make adjustments, and it's like he he was unable to. I don't know if he didn't care to, he didn't want to, or he just didn't think to. He, he could not make an adjustment, and he just got picked apart by a guy who who – who's just really so far on decline that he's, he's like a shadow of his, his prime self, but I'm impressed because I really expected that fight to go that way. I don't, I don't have a very high opinion of Volante and his skill set as far as being a fighter. Like he's got physical talent, but I've just never been a big fan of what he does and how he does it. Did, were you thinking he was, he was going to win that fight? Joe then? Uh, no, um, Volante. No, I, I don't have any faith in that dude. Like I, I have no faith. He's he's fine as long as he's beating you up. In my opinion, and I'm sure he's a great guy. He's a brave guy because he's a fighter. But he's the kind of guy to me who he's fine when he's doing the pushing. The minute you push back, he folds up. So he's gonna hit you. He's gonna put some pressure on you. He's gonna land some big shots. If you handle what he has, if you can start putting some damage on him. He's gonna fold every time. He's either gonna gas and get tired. And he's gonna get out. Or he's gonna gas and get tired and get knocked out. If you look at his losses, they all follow that trend. Gas and get tired, get out, tired and get knocked out. Makes adjustments. He's not a guy who can dig. And from what I've seen, or actually seen in fights, dig deep and come back in a fight. Usually, once it go, starts going bad, it continues to go bad until the fight's over. And um, that's exactly what happened. He had a few moments, and when Shogun started pushing back and put some heat on him, that was it. He just never recovered. He Looked like he was a, he looked like he was lost on the feet. An attempt to to bring the fight to any other level, he just kept walking forward, getting countered with the same shot over and over by a guy who's like two times slower than him and like probably ten years older than him. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Do you think he gets cut after this win? Given the fact that they cut much better fighters, I would think he's at least eligible to be cut. But I don't know how he operates anymore. I have no idea. I mean, 
is is if he was a couple years younger, I'd say he still has time and he has potential. But from what I've seen of him, I, I I don't actually know why he's still in the UFC right now. Except they need they need guys at light heavyweight. I mean, who's That's the guy, who's the top guys he put win? He doesn't even beat the lower level guys to the level where he he can be considered a mid card guy or a top level guy. You know, he's and he's been given lots of opportunities. So I, I don't really know why they have him in here. Anyways, and that's not a shot at him personally. That's just looking at the actual facts and win-loss records and who he's lost to and who he's beat. If you're going by talent and what he's actually proven in the cage, why does he still have a job with the UFC? There's people, there's people with better records who don't have jobs with the UFC. How does he still have that one? That's very true there, sir. That's very true. That's very true. Um, let's look at – I wanted to also talk about Edson Barbosa. Um First and foremost, we gotta ask, how many times? What does Edson have to do to keep um, like this guy keeps getting highlight reel knockouts like it's nothing? Benil Dariush may never shoot for another takedown in his life after that after that knee that he took that finished the fight. And it was it's what's interesting is there after that knockout, there's um, Mark Henry tweeted out some pictures of pictures and videos of Edson Barbosa training that exact or just drilling that exact knee over and over and over again. And it's funny because he overlaid it with the knockout from Saturday. And it's like one-to-one. It's the perfect form and everything that he's been drilling over and over again. So it's amazing to see that. But, man, that knockout was something stupid there. Is it time to start talking about Edson Barbosa in the interim lightweight title picture? Well, I I mean, Edson's always been in discussions as far as title fights and title contenders. He's got he's got such dynamic skill on the feet in between the kicks and punches, and his as his athleticism is second to none. And and the I mean, there's probably maybe two or three guys who, who might be better athletes than him in the UFC, if not in MMA as a whole. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got dexterity. He's got explosiveness. He's he's fairly physical, durable, and he's actually improved as far as his footwork, shots, and his counters. Uh, so he, to me, he's always been in the discussion for the light lightweight championship. Being in discussion for the interim championship is he has another guy not too far off from possibly being considered himself. So that could cause some problems within the camp because who are they going to back, Alvarez or Barboza? You know, Eddie Alvarez is like the win away from being considered tender back for whoever wins the interim championship or being involved in the interim championship. And after that kind of win, Barbosa's got to be considered a, 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 a possible contestant or participant championship fight. You know, the only thing he has against him is that he's lost. He's already lost to Ferguson, and that's most likely who he'd be facing. But. Yeah, um, that's a that's a tough question if whatever, if that situation does come up and – Barbosa does kind of crack through and is in the consideration for a title shot. Um, I think I know how that decision would go, um, but I'm not going to I'm not going to comment on that. But it, w- it would be an interesting situation to see who they decided to um, side with in that ra- in, in that in that development. Um, what's interesting is it's it's it, this this light whole light, lightweight division is pretty effed up right now. I wrote about this for um, ratings this week and probably tomorrow, but the whole division is kind of like so spread thin telling who's going to go where. I mean, you can, you have a champion that's 
either A, not going to fight because he's about to have a child, which is acceptable. B, he's not going to fight because he's trying to fight Conor, um, Floyd Mayweather, which is stupid. Or C, you have a situation where He's going to come back, but who is he going to come back against? Because he can very well talk his way into a fight with Tyron Woolley. So this division is really effed up. And while people support what Conor McGregor does, I get it. He he gets people excited for big fights. Um, he completely disrupts divisions such as this one. And now this whole group is in a pretty big coding pattern. I like that everybody's doing is instead of talking about him now that he's out of the picture. People mention him, but the thing that I like that they're doing is they're all talking about how they can get best, and they're talking about making fights, opportunities. One of the biggest problems all these guys had about Conor McGregor, and I know people bring him up. If somebody brings him up, sure, you have that discussion, but these guys are just bringing him up out of the blue, giving him, gives him the power and cheapens your position. As Conor McGregor is not always He's talking about Edson Barbosa. He talks about it, everybody the same. But all these other guys, Conor McGregor, I want Conor, I want Conor. You're giving him that. Not only is he saying he's the cash cow and he's the biggest name in, in, in MMA, you're a major contender who could be up for an inch from Ben McGregor who's going to be boxing. Like, no matter, people bring him up, people don't. Oh, you know, I'm not a coward like Conor McGregor. Don't focus on him. Goals to be the champion, fight for that interim championship. If he comes back, you'll get the first shot at him. If he doesn't, eventually you'll become the you'll become again. The main thing you need to do is focus on your career, focus on the opportunities in front of you, not spend so much time talking about him because Connor's already beat his Hall of Famers and his multiple championships in the UFC, and he's not focused on any of y'all. He's focused on making money and making history. Now that most of the fighters in the lightweight division are focused on moving forward and their own money. That that's the thing I like best about it because they're giving they're they're taking back some of the power and taking control of their careers and not mentioning Conor McGregor in every other sentence. I know he's popular. I know people care about him, but at some point you got to let that go so that you can make yourself and what you're doing the focus instead of what he's doing or what he's not doing being the focus. It's funny that you mentioned that because there's this this Twitter troll that that um that. Every time there's a new Floyd Mayweather says this or Conor McGregor says this story, he tweets it at me because I wrote about the fact that I don't think McGregor and Mayweather is going to happen. Um, still no, they've been talking about this for about a year and a half now, and I think it's going to go the way of the Manny Pacquiao whole situation. But it's funny because this troll keeps tweeting me every time someone brings it up, and I'm like, this guy just needs to go away, but I still want to see a signed contract, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the guys who are fighting. Uh, so Edson Barbosa, who would you want to see him face next? I'm not the thing that and as many improvements as he made, and as dynamic as that finish is, I'm sh I'm not I'm sure you notice this, and I'm sure if I notices in that fight, he was actually getting They're breaking up pretty badly. Like like every like every second word you you say is kind of breaking up. So you might want to kind of reconnect there. Can you hear me now? I can hear you better. Okay. Uh, the thing about it was Edson was losing that fight. He wasn't actually winning. And that's a that should be a big concern for him because there's a blueprint out on how to beat Edson Bar Barbosa. 
you can't strike with him at range and outpoint him and out slick him. You can't just walk in on him and try to run him over with physicality. Every time he fires at you, you, you counter right back, you fire right back on him. You can back him up. You can take, take away some of that movement and you can put combinations together on him. Tony Ferguson beat him. That's how Michael Johnson was beating beat, have, beat him. And that's how Daniil Benil him up into the point of that flying knee. Now I know they re- I know they rehearsed that knee. I know they worked on it. I know they set it up the way they wanted to. That knee was based on his size, his athleticism. Ninety-five percent of the fighters in the world couldn't pull that knee off under those circumstances because he's obviously very skilled, but also because he's such a dynamic athlete. And Benil Darush is not a dynamic athlete. He's not particularly fast, strong, or explosive. So in that half second or a quarter of a second it took for him to go from landing that stiff jab, pushing Barbosa's head back, and transition into that takedown, Barbosa's knee was ready there, already there to meet him. If he's a little bit faster, a little bit dynamic, more with his feet exposing to that hit, that jab, and transitions to that takedown, he might get it. Or maybe that jab throws Barbosa off balance, so then when he shoots, the knee. But Darius doesn't have any of those physical skills. And that brief period of time between when he landed that jab and he went for that takedown was the difference. And even though they expected the takedown, they, they felt it was coming. There's lots of times guys know takedowns are coming and they don't land these with that kind of power or that kind of precision. At a certain point, it stops being about skill and strategy and it becomes about your ability to execute physically. Executes more effectively and consistently because nobody has that dynamic skill and expo- that dynamic physical ability, that speed, that explosiveness. And my question for him is there's a lot of guys for, for him to have actually get into the title fight again, title picture, the guys he would be fighting, maybe ideas are all guys who can follow that game plan. They're long, they're active, they can put pressure on him, they can take shots, they can put a lot of volume on him. Secret to beating him in every instance. He fires, you fire right back. You stay right on him. You make him work. You can wake, you can work him over to a decision, or if you get it enough, it, you can put shots together and put him away. So I'm not quite sure who I want him to face as far as increasing his chances to win. I would like to see him fight somebody like a Dustin Poirier, but Dustin Poirier is fighting Eddie Alvarez. I would like to see him fight Eddie Alvarez, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Him getting a shot that leaves Tony Ferguson in. And maybe Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz isn't fighting against in Barboza. So the only other option he has is maybe getting a fight with Tony Ferguson. fight I see that makes sense for him. It's actually available for him to get right now. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what's next. With um, and I, 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 It's not sure where this kind of division goes from here. But I think a lot of it uh, includes him in a conversation. There was also another uh, interesting fight from Saturday, and that was Ray Borg uh, and Juicier De Silva. It was a pretty good fight. A lot of int- lot of good grappling transitions, a lot of good movement. Um, what did you think of of this battle here? And is and what's interesting is like do, Ray Borg is someone I have kind of watched within the, within 125. Where do you think this guy's going to go? Is he someone that can we can see as a potential challenger in the future, or is he just someone that's going to bubble up and then get bumped back down, bubble up and then get bumped back down? I, I really, I really don't know what to make of Borg. Um, I was really trying to, I was really interested in getting your take on him because I, I just don't know what to, to make of him. I, I, this is a really good win over. Juicy has been 
so hit or miss. He was supposed to be the guy who was going to come into the division and challenge DJ. Okay, so up and down. So I, I don't know if this is just a matter of boy turning a corner, athlete and fighter he is, and he's becoming, or is it just a matter of Juicy A not, not, not mentally being checked in and vice as a result of it once again? I mean, did, did you see him? Did you see him making? Did you, I mean, did you feel he was performing the way he wanted to perform, and Boy was just able one step ahead of him, or did he look like he were just not not locked in when he? Yeah, like that's the thing about the Silver Man. He he he's someone that I thought that was going to be uh, a real title challenge. I was excited when he signed, but he just kind of hasn't panned out. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, he's faced world-class competition. He's a lot to win. He's got experience. But sometimes I see him fight, and he just he seems like a guy who doesn't know how to react or know how to handle certain things. And a guy with his experience and his talent in other, in other combat sports, you would think he'd be more comfortable and he'd be more prepared in, in, in a variety of situations. And that just hasn't been the case. It's like when you shut down one aspect of his game, it's almost like he falls apart. And that's that's amazing to me, like, I, I just didn't expect that from a guy who came in, who had his kind of caliber and his kind of accomplishments. So I, I really don't know what to make of it when he loses or what to make of it in, in, in him losing this fight. I, like I said, I don't know if this makes Borg a legitimate contender, but this just tells me that who we, who we thought he was when he came into the UFC. You know, that that's really the question. Is he really that talented and the guys in the UFC are just that much better or is he never that good? And all these wins guys have over him just don't really carry a lot of weight because he's just he was he was just an overhyped prospect. Yeah, I won't call even when he came in, I don't even think he was a prospect. I'm not gonna call him overhyped, but um I don't think he was a a prospect at that point anymore. But um, you know, it it's it's still I think it's it's you know, he's he's past the point of thinking that he'll kind of bubble to this point where he's going to be a uh, title champion or excuse me, title challenger. Yeah. I, I don't know that they, I don't know that he has a job in the UFC much longer. I mean, to be honest, he, he's just so inconsistent. I don't, I don't know what the purpose of being, of keeping him around. Nobody would, even if he wins the next two or three in a row, nobody would consider him a viable challenger to Demetrius Johnson. And I don't know that he, he, he can win two or three in a row. In the division, given who he, who he'd have to be, he'd have to at least he'd have to get rematches and win all those. And and given what he's shown of us, shown us recently, I don't know that he could win any of those fights that he's lost to the guys he's already lost to. So I, I don't know what to make of. I don't know that he's going to be in the UFC that much longer. And as a result of not knowing what to make of, of him, I don't know what to make of Ray Borg. I just know he's an athletic guy who's um, who's aggressive and who seems to be improving as far as his fight IQ and his technical skill set, but I don't know how good he's getting because this is a big win for him, but it's over a guy who just can't seem to put it together consistently. So what else from UFC Fight Night 106 stood out and caught your eye? Uh, the Bantamweight fight between, um, between Betch and Mariano Renault, just because it was two, two Tim ranked uh, Bantamweights, and whoever would have won that fight, given the nature of the division, um, could have very well been in line to possibly fight a Sarah McMahon for a, an in, for a, a number one contender spot, or depending on if somebody got injured, might have been consider, considered for a 
versus whoever wins between Valentina and Amanda Nunes. But being that it was a draw, that kind of just sets the division, you know, puts both of them in hold and kind of keeps the division from taking yet another step forward. Because in that division, it's so it's thin and they don't have any real stars. So they're trying to find people with new matchups and interesting matchups to kind of their contendership or, or develop a new a new opponent for the champion. And this was a fight that could play play big in that because, as you know, Betch, she's not famous so much as she's maybe infamous, but she knows how to play the crowd. She knows how to push the storyline. She knows how to when she's not a particularly dynamic or exciting fighter. And they're looking for people who know how to do that. They're looking for people who can create interests, whatever star, or may, may help assist other fighters or help assist their champion in becoming a star. So Betch winning probably would have been better for the UFC as far as the storylines and getting fa casual fans' interest and getting even hardcores who aren't really into women's MMA's interest per se. But like I said, there was a draw. So now the division's kind of once again stuck in a circle and we don't have, we don't have really, we don't have too many real legitimate contenders or people who are positioned to be contenders for the title. Sarah McMahon hasn't beaten enough top girls. Raquel Pennington needs to win needs at least one or two name wins. Juliana Pena just lost the fight. Betch and Marion had a draw, so they they've either got to have a rematch or they've got to beat beat at least one or two other people to be considered potential title challengers. So it's like kind of put the division right back in a hold, holding pattern again. Definitely does. Definitely does. Um, the, so let's look forward to 107, which is this weekend, which I'm not, you know, I was going to make a disparaging comment about the main event here with Jimmy Manoa and Corey, Corey Anderson. Um, but let's just say this might be a weekend of fights that I miss. Yeah, because it just doesn't. This this card kind of this card harkens back to the fact that you know the UFC has so many shows on the docket that um really difficult to kind of keep up. Uh, talk talk to me about this card here. Is there anything that really makes you want to sit down and watch UFC Fight Night One Hundred Seven? It's one of those cards where you uh you watch it. You might watch it just as a fan of MMA. It it doesn't have any matchups that just scream at you and say that. You know, I need to watch this fight. This is something that I can't miss out because it's gonna in the direction of determine or determine the next challenger. You know, Demi Manawa has been hit or miss since he's come into the UFC. You know, a lot of misses, occasional hits. When he wins, it's dynamic. When he loses, it's it's dynamic. But he's not any, he's not anywhere near a staple of the division or staple of MMA. Corey Anderson has got a lot of tools and he's got a lot of ability. I personally think they're trying to set this up as a showcase fight for him. Like he can win this fight and kind of get some, and then kind of have him face the next level, next level of light heavyweight in division. For but, who? Um, for Corey Anderson, I think I think the UFC would prefer Corey Anderson to win this fight. I think everybody knows what Jimmy Manoa is and what he has as a, as a fighter, and um, the the question mark and the guy with the most potential and the most upside. I would be Corey Anderson. He's the one who's got the upside. He's the guy that. So I think this is supposed to be a showcase fight for him. And it was athletic. He's talented to a certain degree, but he's just not a very good fighter, in my opinion. And the only guys he's beaten, 
they aren't good, all that great fighters themselves. So um, it's like one of the situations where if Anderson loses, that tells me a lot more about Anderson than it tells me anything about Jimmy Manoa. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, both of these guys are kind of are, are in kind of like that mid-tier, mid-tier position. And I think the UFC, the UFC needs someone. There's not even that if they want someone, they need someone to move up to a more advancing position because um, 205 is quickly becoming 205 is quickly becoming a very desolate and barren um, division, even when John Jones comes back. Uh, there really isn't much to talk about in that group um, outside of Anthony Johnson, Daniel Cormier, and uh, 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 Shikarnoff. What does he fight at? Does he fight at 205 or heavyweight? Uh, 205, I recall. Yeah, yeah he's recall. someone that that is, is worth keeping an eye out on. But other than those guys, man, it's really like, what is what are we going to do with this weight class? Yeah, there's, there's just not there's not much talent. And they haven't brought any young talent. The talent they have, the, all, all the top 10 guys are guys who've been around for a long time. Cormier's older. Uh, Johnson's not really old, but he's, he's not exactly a young guy either. John Jones isn't young either. He's not old, but once again, he's not exactly a young guy either. There's not a lot of exciting, sellable matchups. So they're trying to develop new stars. They're trying to bring guys up. But as I, as I said earlier, when discussing light heavyweight division, so many of these guys are so tragically flawed physically or technically that these seasoned veterans, even the ones who are on the decline, like Lower Teixeira, Shogun Rua, Hua, are able to knock them off and set them back to where they have to start mm-hmm. all over and try and pick up momentum. So it's, it's, it's a really hard division to make. It's a really hard division to make important fights for. And it's a really hard division to make fights that people care about. So it, it's just one of those divisions that um, kind of curse in that way. The most exciting thing about it is what John Jones does and what he does outside the cage. And um, even when he comes back, he's beaten almost everybody in the division who matters, who's ranked, except for um, Anthony Johnson. And if Anthony Johnson can't get get past Daniel Cormier, nobody's going to want to see that fight either. So he. Oh. You question how long John Jones is going to stay in there because there's really not much of a demand for the division, and there's not much of a demand for the for the people for any individual fighter in the division. Nobody's somebody who draws eyes, or draws money, or draws rating. So I I don't, I don't really know what to make of it to be quite honest. Like I said, this is just another fight, and uh, they're hoping that Corey Anderson wins so they can possibly develop a guy for the future. You know, if Manuel wins. It's not the worst thing ever, but he's a guy. We already know what he's about. We know what he can do, what he can't. Mm-hmm. That's uh, definitely very true there. The fight that I, the fight there's, I mean, there's there's some guys fighting on the card who I'm who I'm impressed by and I want to see. But the fight that really draws my attention would be Gunnar Nelson versus Alan Jabwayne. That's actually a uh, very good co. Could probably be a co-main event on a pay-per-view or on a stronger card, and it probably should be the main event to be quite honest, as far as the skill level of the guys involved and what they've accomplished in the UFC and outside of it. That's actually the fight I was going to bring up next um, because that fight is something that kind of stood out and caught my eye there. Uh, what do you think about this fight here? Because I, I think it's I think it's definitely a, a big fight for both men because uh, it's an opportunity for one of them to kind of they're, I think they're kind of in the lower tier of the welterweight division. This is a fight where each one of them can kind of move up and find themselves in opportunity in, in a position to get better opportunities and better paydays. Uh for Joe for Jablain, this is this is what he wanted. I mean like you like you said, every, the, the main goal and you and for any combat sports athlete 
we always say it's about being the best and all that stuff. And, and I'm sure that's a part of it. But since this is a job and it's a business, the main thing is to expand your brand, to get fight tougher opponents so you can get better paydays and hopefully better opportunities moving forward. For Jablain, this is what that is. He's he's getting a guy who's been in the UFC for a while, who's who's ranked, and a guy who is a name in the division. And that's what he wanted. He wanted a chance to prove that he's one of the better guys in the division. After that win over Mike Perry, he said, I want somebody who's ranked high. I want a chance to show that I can be considered as a legitimate contender in the division, if not a main contender, a fringe one. And so he, he asked for it, and the UFC gave him what he wanted. They're giving him Gunnar Nelson. And I actually think it's a pretty good matchup for him because Nelson, Nelson, he's a good athlete. He's got a lot of athleticism. He's great on the ground, as I'm sure you know. He's a dynamic, very well-versed versed, uh, grappler. The fact that he went so many rounds with Damian Maya, even though he got dominated and not and spend that much time on the ground with Maya and not get finished shows that you're a certain caliber grappler in and of itself. Um, my concerns for him is that he uses that karate style, which is effective because he's very accurate with his shots. He's very efficient. And he, he kind of sneaks in with that shifting footwork. But the problem is he doesn't have a lot of good boxing skills. He, like Stephen Thompson, like uh, Stephen Wright told us, he's really effect- his karate is effective because he's so effective with his boxing in the pocket. Gunnar Nelson doesn't have that. He doesn't have any solid defense or offense or counters in the pocket. He essentially just navigates distance coming in and coming out, mostly on straight lines, occasionally on these slight angles where he lands like a kick punch combination or front kick, straight punch combination, really short combinations. And he either ties you up for takedowns or he lands the shots, gets in and gets right out. And he uses that timing and distance management to get in without getting countered. He doesn't really have defense as far as defending strikes and defending, especially punches. He doesn't have defense. His whole defense is managing distance. And Joe Wayne is a big, long, physical guy who hits really hard, applies a lot of pressure, is, a, is effective on the counter, and has a pretty wide array of striking. And he, he's a good enough athlete where Nelson's not going to be able to overrun him with his athleticism. So to a certain degree, I think it's a bad matchup for him because Joe Wayne can put volume on him. And Nelson isn't the kind of guy who's really good with dealing with volume of attack or a guy who's really physical and is going to walk him down and chop his legs up and put, apply steady pressure on him. That's how Rick Story beat him. And I think that Alan Jabwain, with a, a few modifications, because they're different fighters, can follow that, that blueprint to a win. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it, it would be a very big big win for him. It announced him as a legitimate Waterway contender, and then he could, start, he could start calling out the bigger names in the division or the bigger names might want to come see him as a way to, instead of fighting two fights to get themselves back in a position, they might want to come right back against him and see if they can skip over two or three other guys to get closer to the title. But it, it's a very it's a very good matchup because the question is, is Jawain going to be able to stay off the ground completely? Because if he gets on the ground, we all know Nelson's probably going to work him over and work him over pretty good. Or is he just going to slowly chop Nelson down and beat him up over three, beat him up over the distance of the fight? Because as I said, Nelson. The hardest thing about Nelson is his style and his timing. His actual techniques aren't executed so well or so complex that you can't figure them out. He's one of those guys who the more looks at you and get you get of him, the better you do against him. So initially, it's hard for you to get off against him because of his timing, his awkward stance, and the way he throws his shots. But as you go round after round, and the fact that he doesn't put volume on you and he's not a really fast starter, that gives you time to get into your comfort zone, to slowly ramp up the aggression and the volume, 
and it's kind of outwork him over the length of a fight. And I, I really think that's a good chance what Jim Wayne does. If he doesn't get too wild and run into something, I would think that he'd be able to outwork him and kind of beat him up over the length of a fight once he gets adjusted to the timing and the uh, and and the setups that he uses to get his entries. That's, uh, that's that's some good breakdown there. That's some very good breakdown. Um, this is probably the fight that I'm looking forward to the most on this card, because um, I think that Jabron is someone that very that kind of interests me. He's someone that I think the UFC can kind of mold into a future he's star. He's an ex model. He's huh? an ex model. Yeah, he's, so he's an ex model. The WME loves that a good looking guy who can fight. That's true. That's true. I just know that he better not challenge anybody else to hair versus hair matches. Didn't he challenge what Sage Northcutt to one? And I mean, I'm not gonna front. I think that was pretty funny. But uh, he better not do that and mess around and lose. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd probably stay. Uh, I mean, just for the sake that he, I mean, I'm I'm bald myself, and I, I wish I had his hair. It's it's so wonderful. Not as wonderful as Kenny Florian's hair, though, of course. But um, yeah, I would I would stay away from those. They get kind of corny, and and just on the off chance you lose, man, I don't know if you want to take that kind of hit. It's kind of go. Yeah, you have to be a man of your word. Have to be a man of your word. So have to be a man of your word, my friend. You have to be. Uh, let's see what else we got. Joe Duffy and um, who else we got fighting this weekend too as well. We got Brad Pickett's last last fight. You know he's finally retiring. I, I shouldn't say it like that, but Brad Pickett is walking away away from the sport. We also got Joe Duffy and Tom Breeze. Um, Joe and Tom are two prospects I'm definitely interested in, especially Tom Breeze because he's been um, out there competing on the competitive grappling uh, industry and. Duffy is looking to, you know, Duffy was looking great. He had that fight against Poirier where a lot of people were picking him that he kind of let slip through his fingers. But other than that, he's looked good uh, since, since joining the UFC. Which one of these two guys do you think will, will go further? Um, I've seen more Duffy, so I would say Duffy. The main issue is that he, he's taking care of his wrestling because um, Poirier took him down left and right and really did a good job of controlling him, and Duffy wasn't trying to wasn't able to get sweeps or reverses. It didn't seem like he was able to. I don't know if he, he really even tried. It seemed like he was trying to work submissions from the top, and that that that's kind of the that's the kind of I, mistake in the area of IQ that's really unacceptable. But I'm hoping that Barras um, has kind of got him got his head on straight, and he's fighting he's fighting under the rules and the guidelines of the sport that he's in. Because a lot of guys get caught up in that. I'm gonna just defend and counter from the ground and submit you. And while the, while you you might be threatening with a lot of submissions, those don't always score a lot of points. And if he's if he's going to make those kind of mistakes, he's not going to be able to get anywhere near a title title fight. It's going to be a hole that people can exploit that he's not going to try to get back up. He's, he's, he's not hard to take down. And then when you take him down, he's just going to try and finish you instead of trying to get back up. That's something the guys can exploit because they know that they don't have to worry, only have to worry about 50% of your game. I don't have to worry about holding him down. I have to worry about not getting submitted. And that's a lot easier to do when you're not worried about a guy hitting a switch on you or, or sweeping you and putting you in a bad position where they have the the superior position and can work you over or finish you with submission. He makes it a little bit easier with that kind of stuff. Um, the guy he's fighting is pretty much tailor-made for him given his skill set, given his boxing, his athleticism, and his and his overall ground skills. This this is another showcase fight for him. This is the fight to this is these are fights that are supposed to make him look good. And kind of put a stamp on the on the performance and kind of make him more popular within the casual fans and the hardcore fans who watch MMA. This isn't really a pick em matchup or supposed to be a close fight. If it is, then once again that tells me more about Joe Duffy than it tells me about his
Joe Duffy really shouldn't be losing fights to guys of this caliber at this stage. Given given the hype he's coming with and the opinion and the skills he has, he shouldn't be losing in fights like this. And he really shouldn't be have too much competition in a fight like this. When you look at all things, when you look at the fight on paper. Now, once it gets going, it could be totally different. But based on skills and physical ability, it should be a, this should be a showcase fight for him that gives him an opportunity to to make his name among fans once again after a. After that uh, loss, by Paul, that loss to Poirier, which is, even though it was a while ago, it's still fresh in my mind because it was so one-sided, and I expected him to walk through Poirier, and Poirier just really beat him up and and and, and dominated him. It, that's the nicest way I can say it. Uh, Poirier beat him up, made it look pretty easy, except for the few tense moments earlier on the feed. He he just dominated him, and uh, Joe Joe's got to show that he's better than that, and this is the fight that they've given him to make him to give him the opportunity to look better than he he has in the last couple of fights. Yeah, that, 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 that fight was definitely, um, definitely tough to like, not tough to watch in like a brutality, uh, sense, but it was definitely a fight that, um, caught a lot of people off guard. As a grappler, you know, I, I wouldn't know those cause I'm not, I can grapple a little bit. I'm like, functional more than anything else but as a person who who's who spends their time working in that area do fighters not and you fought before so do fighters not understand how the judging system works or how much but how m most judges see fights do they not understand that when they're on the bottom just attempting these submissions that a lot of judges aren't giving them the rounds so they should be working Ooh. on trying to create space that's an interesting question um i mean i believe people i believe the answer is yes People do. Um, people do get it. They do understand what is going on, and they do understand that they're kind of losing the match at that point. Um, what? How can I say what? What? Uh, hmm. I don't know if they're going about it the right way in um, hmm. In addressing it, though, I feel like some guys are really get they get really comfortable on, on on their back, and they think that they're doing a lot, and they're in good positioning, and, and they're making a good movement, which is true. They may be doing that, but yeah, they it's not that they don't understand; it's that they they. I don't, it's hard, man. It's it's very hard because actually, it's funny because I was having a um conversation as I walked out the gym tonight about lay and pray versus winning. Some people call it lay lay and pray. I call it winning. Um, just depending on you know what the judges may think, but more often than not, it's going to be determined winning if you're doing enough to, while you're on top. So I think people do just understand it, but they hope for the best, which unfortunately is too much of a risk at, at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's just a question that keeps on dying because you hear a guy will, and, and a lot of times I'll agree with them, but the fact of the matter is, you know how that goes 98% of the time in MMA. So why are you hanging on to this if you know your only way to win is submission if you choose to engage on this? And just by focusing on the submission, you know, it's like you made yourself predictable. It's like you throw leg kicks without any punches. It doesn't matter how good your leg kicks are, you're going to stop landing them once they realize you're not setting up with punches. They're going to start countering you or taking you down off them because there's nothing to, to break their focus or to create distance or to set your kicks up. If all you're doing is going for submissions instead of getting up. I don't really have to split my focus because I'm not trying to keep you down anymore. You're keeping yourself down, trying to prove a point to submit me. 
while you're doing this, I'm landing a, a couple shots here and there, and you guarantee the ref isn't going to stand us up because you're actively attacking me. You're just not finishing. So it's like you essentially kept yourself from the ref standing us up, and you, I don't have to waste any energy, energy, energy holding you down. All I have to do is defend and land a couple shots here and there and escape, and I've essentially won the mm -hmm. round. And I, I, I just never understand why guys' corners keep letting them do it or don't, you know, after we need to start addressing how to get up or create scrambles because working your guard game, unless you finish, you're going to lose the round and possibly cost yourself a fight trying to submit a guy like that. And I just see it happen so often, and, and I just don't understand it. The guys aren't even attempting to get to their feet. They're not even attempting to create space. They're literally engaged in a ground battle, not changing positions, fighting for submission, and changing like little incremental positions and, incre and little turns and angles. But they're not doing anything obvious enough that a judge would say, okay, hey, he's made a move that's put this guy on the defensive or put this guy in danger. And I, I just, this is a question I have because I see it happen so often. And guys act like they don't know that's how it works in MMA. Yeah, it, it's, it's not that they don't know. It's just that, I mean, it's just, I think that it's, hard for them to address it in the moment if that makes sense yeah i understand like it's just you're in the middle of it and you're like i'm gonna finish this guy or I can't, i'm so close to finishing this guy let me just have a couple more minutes the round's over and you're like oh i didn't finish him and he's on top of me yep it, and the fight's over and i've just lost yeah okay well that, that makes a little bit more sense to me then all right cool that's kind of how it goes, man. It's, it's very, it's, it's interesting conversation. I think that people need to, people, they, they make kind of make that decision as they're getting ready for the fight um, because they know that, like myself, for example, I know that that's a big part of my game. So I work on that, being able to score, um, being able to score points, point fighting. And then you have those guys that think that I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put on a show for the fans and everyone's going to appreciate that. Um, yeah, they may appreciate it for that, for those 15 minutes. But when you lose two, three, four in a row and the UFC is telling you, you know, we're going to um, end your contract, the fans aren't, aren't, aren't going to pay for you. If the fans aren't going to pay your mortgage, they're not going to pay your car note. So you really need to be smarter about that. Yeah, like I said, I, I get how, when they, I mean, it's like real life. You know things aren't fair. You know, you know things should be another way. But even though you know what, the way it should be and the way it could be, the fact that is you also know how it is, you have to act accordingly. And some of these guys with the, the fight plan, and the, the gestures and, and techniques and strategies they're using, I'm like, you're, you're not, you're battling off what you want. You're not battling off a of reality. And that's why you get in these positions where you're losing. You can't criticize the guy for playing the game smart because you refuse to. That's not his fault. That's on you. And like I said, it, it constantly stayed in my mind because I see it happens at least once or twice a card. You can see a guy give up position and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna finish him. More times than not, they lose decisions because the other guy was on top and is giving credit for controlling them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some good points there. Um, let's talk about some of the news that broke from this week. First and foremost, I mentioned earlier, um, California has released that they, they have passed that ruling where if you miss weight, not only are you going to get fined 20% of your show money, you get fined 20% of your win money as well, which I think is very interesting because it put, it helps deal with that situation where so many guys were um, eight and uh, they were missing weight and kind of not caring. 
like I look back to um, that fight between Will Brooks and Charles Oliveira, where Oliveira came in so heavy, but it, it, it definitely affected the way the fight went down um, and allowing that win, which, you know, yeah, he, he lost, but he... Um, he lost, but at the same time, you know, he didn't lose. So, what do you think about this this change yeah. in the rule set? I, I, I'm kind of. I mean, I think it's a good, good move. So that uh, when I heard about the Oliveira Will Brooks thing, in my mind, I was thinking he shouldn't take the fight. He should take it because of the money and the fact that he had a win. He thought he could put another win together. But in situations like that where, in my opinion, a guy is purposely not trying to make weight so they have a physical advantage, because the U- like I said before on the show, the UFC doesn't think you're doing them a favor. They think you're doing your job when you take a short notice fight. Like, so they're not going to give you any credit or backdoor bonuses because you took a fight for them. They're like, hey, if you win, it helps your career too. So we're not doing any favors for you. I didn't think you should take that fight, and I thought that weight difference and how he's able to manhandle bro- Brooks and and essentially defend this is a much better wrestler and, and fighter in the clinch as far as the grappling. He was able to neutralize that because he was just too big and too strong and he was comfortable because he had no no intention of making the weight. So having a financial having a financial component being there help, but in a certain degree, if the guy's still bigger than you and he's do that on purpose, your career there can be a you as a result of that because he's mm-hmm. going to be so much bigger and stronger. So, so, I mean, if you take the fight and you get a little bit more of his money, but you lose, asterisk over him because he didn't make weight, but the way the UFC works, it's still still going to get him a better fight because he still beats you. It seems like they want guys who can get attention. And you can even evoke negative attention from fans. They, they think you're a cheater. And you miss weight on purpose, and you're a dirty fighter. Uh, even though that's negative attention, that's still attention. That still clicks. That still eyes on you. There's still people tuning in, being from the fans. And, and WME needs guys who can get reactions and draw eyes and make people care about their fights, whether it's for a positive reason or a negative reason. So in a certain kind of way, that actually helps you too. A lot of times when guys miss weights, I think you should just skip the fight, take your show money, and just go home. I don't know that Definitely. it's worth it, especially depending on the kind of fighter it is. I mean, Will Brooks for a while because he had a, a rib injury, if I recall correctly. So not only did he lose money yeah. on that fight, yeah. how much money did he lose in the fact that he could have had another two fights in the meantime? He has the rehab. He has to wait to get back in the gym. Then he has to, you know, he has gym fees, other expenses. So it's actually cost him money because he got injured in the fight. It would have been better just to take your show money and say, I'm not going to fight find, or find me a guy who can make weight and I'll fight him myself stuff like that because it was the, it was the worst of best thing could happen he lost the fight and he got injured which means he couldn't another fight quickly because he wasn't really beat up up he just broke his rib or, or bruised his rib and he couldn't compete moving forward so he's had to sit out and that's he would have he made because of Oliver missing weight it didn't really balance out yeah, it was it was a bad situation for everyone around, especially for uh, well, it was a bad situation for everyone not named Charles Oliveira there. Um, let's look at another story, man. Um, this is one that was not on our format for this week, but I'm definitely want to talk about it. Lorenz Larkin, 
is signed with Bellator. It looks like the organization is making moves, man. They brought in a new, yes, fresh new talent. I think Dennis is 24. Doesn't have any MMA experience, but he can definitely talk his way into a um, situation. And he's Conor McGregor's training partner. So there's that that's going to add to um, to the whole dynamic. But what do you think about these two big signings? I think I think Larkin's a really good pickup. I mean, Larkin in his last fight beat Jorge Masvidal, and I'm sure Jorge will say that he won the fight, and they didn't notice all the things he did because that's what he usually says when he loses. But the fact of the matter is, um, Lorenz Larkin has a win over the UFC's hottest fighter. Right? Lorenz Larkin is the legitimate talent, athletically and as far as his skills on the feet. I mean, he's not great on the ground, but he's good enough, and he he was a ranked fighter. This is a really good pickup for him because he's not. Which guy are you talking about? The hottest fighter right now? Um, Jorge Masvidal. Oh, yeah. Donald yeah, yeah, Cerrone. Yeah. Now, he's in all sorts of title fight talks now. I mean, if he beats he beats Maya, he might he might just be either one step away from a title fight or right in one. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Just off of beating a cowboy. But I think Lorenz, the Lorenz Larkin signing is a great one because he's not a big name. He's not a – I'm sure they had to pay him, but he's not like a Benson Henderson or a guy who's – kind of been around for a really long time in his career. He's still in the midst of his career and still in his physical prime. I who who helps create all sorts of different matchups. I mean he could fight he could fight Korshikov. He could fight Lima. He could fight McDonald's. He could fight MVP. Like there's just a there's just a lot of because of his style he can move him in a lot of different directions. And their welterweight division is actually looking you know, at least at the top end, is looking looking pretty good given all the guys they have. You know, all those guys I just named would be top guys in their world's away division. That that's comparable talent to whatever the UFC has right now, if you think about it. Lawrence is already yeah. Lawrence has already beaten Gamebred. Oh, was the last guy who decisively beat Tyron Woodley. I thought he, he lost. He, Wait, you said who's the last guy to beat Tyron Woodley? Um, Roy McDonald, if I recall correctly, I don't think he's lost since then. I think that was yeah, the last right. loss that's in the UFC. Right. That's true. That's right. You have one guy who's beat the champion, another guy who's beat a top contender, hottest fighter in division. You know, Dale do great things in in, in the welterweight division, but he'd still be considered one of the better welterweights in the world. He he'd be ranked in the UFC, and Lima and Korshkov are, are, are they're just not facing UFC level opposition, but they're UFC level talent based on what I've seen of them, they're all young guys. So I think it's a good move for them to have such an important division that's in, in, constantly compared to the UFC's division, to have it filled with a bunch of young guys, that's a good look. Because Tyron Woodley's not super young. Robbie Lawler isn't young at all. Carlos yeah, Condit might Tyron. not be coming back. Tyron's what, 34? Yeah, Tyron, Tyron's not really young. Steven Thompson's not super young either. Robbie Lawler's not young. Damian Maya's not young. If they can kind of build, if Bellator can bring in more middle class level welterweights and some guys with some skills and some experience instead of just, you know, these lower tier guys they have competing now, they might really be able to build a division and mm-hmm. it, and overshadow the UFC's welterweight division because they have all young guys, all guys for the most part who should be under 30, if I, except maybe, no, McDonald's under 32. I think. Yeah, McDonald's young. I think he he's young. He's just been doing this for so long 
Yeah, so I mean that that's a really good look for him. You have a bunch of young contenders. You just need forcing fights before they're ready. You give guys a chance to acclimate. You give guys a chance to kind of build up their fan base and build up some excitement for the fights instead of just throwing guys in right away. It would be much bigger if it was made six months to a year down the line. Mm-hmm. Belt problem, but right now, as far as the top talent in their in their in their welterweight division in the UFC. In some cases, those guys have beat the guys from the UFC recently. Good signing. I, I was hoping that he would go there, and I think it's a really good signing. I don't know much about Dylan Dennis. I mean, I know he's a uh, – so it's, it's a move that gets attention because he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of adopted Conor McGregor's trash talk. He called out John Jones for a grappling contest. He says he can tap anybody. You know, that brings a lot – that's going to bring a certain segment of fans into him and jiu player that's going to bring in a certain segment of people who want to see him do well not necessarily because they like him but because he represents jujitsu i i still don't know that at least in his first couple fights he should he should draw some eyes and usually bellator's talent level they, they have enough guys where he can kind of fight his way a little bit before they put him in with anybody who's really legitimate the only, the only concern i have is they might move him up too fast and he's not he's enough for them to throw him in with anybody who's a real threat at this stage. I think he probably needs a good year or two before he's ready to face legitimate competition, in my opinion. As good as he is on the ground, offer on the feet, or once you throw strikes in into these ground circumstances. So I think he needs at least a year or two before they start. He's a real threat, in my opinion, but we'll see what they decide to do with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is a pretty interesting move to see um, how they kind of welcome him in to the sport of MMA. Um, but I, I still think it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. He's supposed to fight his first fight later on this year. And um, I think he's still doing, he's actually grappling this weekend in the Pan American Championships. And I think he has, he has the opportunity to win it. Uh, I think he has some big fights going in front of him. It's going to be a hell of a show and I can't wait to watch it. That actually started today. Uh, another story, go ahead. To balance that is- is it hard to balance that? Like, say that again. I mean, I know, I know the two arts are different, but is that is it hard to balance that to be grapple at that high level and then still be trying to find your way in MMA? I mean, isn't that kind of counterproductive? Couldn't that develop some habits that won't translate over well? This is kind of a controversial topic in a sense because I've talked about this. Um, grappling, doing strictly jujitsu. And transitioning to MMA and then trying to go back does hurt your game. Um, there's so many examples of guys who don't make the transition back to high-level grappling. Like that's why this is. I think this is, honestly. I think this is reasons why. Like for example, Damian Maya. Damian Maya has never tried to do the 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 two dance thing. Jacare. He's never done the two dance thing where you're doing one and trying to do the other. Andre Galvao tried to do both, and that's when Tyron really put him out. Um, Mackenzie Dern, she's trying to do both and she's been struggling um, in her as she kind of fights for legacy and fights for some of the smaller shows. So yeah. I do believe an idea that MMA does create some bad habits for your game if you are trying to do competitive grappling and vice versa. For example, um, in MMA, you're 
I think you're more prone to sit in some positions that you wouldn't sit in in competitive grappling just have the safety of being able to disrupt your opponent's at, um, offense with strikes and, and vice versa. You know, in competitive grappling, you may find yourself sitting in positions where you can get swept or submitted just because you thought you were safe as you would be when it comes to MMA. So yeah, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's very difficult to go back and forth. I think you, the better strategy is to find success in one, then dedicate yourself to finding success in the other and maybe you go back and go back and forth between the two at that point um, once you're once you found that legit recognized success in both areas. But I think it's going to be very difficult to find uh, all the success in both at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I know in the case of him and I'm hearing makes a lot of money for, you know, doing these seminars and competing. But I'm like, at some level, doing that seminar, getting ready for that competition takes away from the stuff you're doing in MMA. You're focusing too much on that. And your mind has to be in a different mode for that. It's like it's like if Conor McGregor was training for MMA and training for boxing. That, that's not going to work. You know, you balance the two. And I just keep wondering if some of these guys are doing more harm in MMA and you get knocked out or beat up a lot of times. That that necessarily carry over to your jiu-jitsu reputation. But if you take enough damage you might not recover mentally or physically t to the point where you can still be a world-class jiu-jitsu or judoka or whatever it is that you're doing. You just might not recover. Lots of guys take beatings and they can't, they're not, they don't seem to be the same the fighter. And I would think if you take a, a particularly tough beating in MMA, you try to go back to jiu-jitsu, you might not have, you might not have that same athleticism. You might have not had that same comfort or you might just develop injuries in training that keep you from being a world-class grappler again. Essentially, shortcut yourself in both elements that's very true very true there sir so um let's talk about what do you got going on for the site this week and i saw your piece up this week what other things are you are, are you working on um i've been working uh the piece that uh, you were speaking of was part two of my the problem of bellator and like i said last week it just kind of discussed how bellator is kind of making into becoming an actual competitor to UFC. There's a difference between being a competitor and an alternative. An alternative is on the UFC that I don't want it, that it's kind of boring, so I'll just check out Bellator. Being a competitive, being an actual competitor is really like, man, dude, do I want to watch this match on Bellator or do I want to watch this one the UFC? This is a hard competition. This is a hard decision because the level of fighting and the level of the cards and the names are so comparable. And, and Bellator hasn't really had that. They've had it at the top and they haven't had anywhere else. But recently, they've been making those moves, and and they've been putting themselves in positions where a lot of fighters are going to have to start uh, considering them as an option instead of going to the UFC. Whether it's because of weight divisions, it's because the UFC is no sponsorship thing, or it's just a matter of opportunities you want because you're not a big enough name. People are going to start looking at the looking at Bellator fighting championships as a legitimate alternative, as a legitimate option instead of just saying I'm going to go to the UFC. I don't. I think that ship's starting to sail. It's no longer just the UFC and everybody else. I'm thinking it's starting to be tour and everybody else. Um, the other pieces I'm piece I'm working on. I'm actually working on a Weidman uh, kind of addressing in the room that nobody wants to talk about that racism is actually the reason why he's hit the recently. Not that he he's gotten any worse strategically or technically. Lacks a 
certain level of athleticism, and when he started facing guys in their prime, extent of their physical abilities, he didn't look nearly as dominant, poised, and in control as he did when he's beating up on guys on the decline. To give it a taste of the point I'm making, look at old white man versus Machida, white man versus Romero, white man versus Belfort near the same fighter. And I understand there's different skill sets, but I'm talking about how he reacted when and put in certain situations, how he reacted when a guy hit him, how he reacted when he put his hands on one guy, manhandle, put his hands on another guy, started getting frustrated, started fighting sloppy. And the main difference in between the guys he fought before and the guy, the guys he fought now, these guys have it. They're close to their primes. These other guys are far away from their primes and don't have it. And that makes a big difference in any sort of sport. As you know, football, basketball, boxing, soccer, when you have the better athlete, even if you have the better skill set, because that athleticism gives you such an advantage. Just watch the last UFC fight night. How many fights on that card were just determined that a more skilled, more seasoned guy fighting the right fight lost to an opponent who was just a better athlete, bigger, stronger, faster, more dynamic. Four times on that card. Good, some 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 good insight there. I'm I'm looking forward. I hope Bellator does become a come a legit uh, option uh, a counter to UFC because having uh, competition is always best for all parties involved. I just think that that's the that's the direction that we need need to go in. Yeah, it's better for the fans. It's better for the fighters. They, they can talk to you and treat you any way they want because you have nowhere to go. And as fans, you have to put up whatever cards and whatever they produce for you because you have nowhere else to go. Once there's a competitor, people have to step their game up. As long as they're thought of as a, eh, we're not worried about it. Once there's competition, okay, well, now we got to start giving them the good stuff because we don't want to lose it. We don't want to fall behind these guys. We don't want to start losing money, losing free agents, or losing pay-per-view buys or ratings because we're just throwing whatever we have out there, and they're constantly bringing fire every time they put out a main card. Mm-hmm. That's definitely like very true there, sir. So let's look at what I have coming up. I'm covering, you know, I'm covering Pans. I'm covering NCAA Championship Wrestling this week. Uh, I have another piece about the lightweight division coming out uh, probably tomorrow. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of going, things going on. Um, we have the fight card this weekend, which I may or may not skip, you know, just saying, to be honest. And we will be back for another showcase next week uh, to talk uh, competitive grappling, just talk about, oh, excuse me, not competitive, talk about MMA and probably recap some of the things from this past weekend. I look forward to next weekend's card. What is it, UFC fight, UFC 210, 209? Uh, no, two and nine was last the week before last. No, yeah, yeah so it's two ten. It'll be two ten, yeah. Yeah, so we have that. And who's main eventing now? Is that the uh, man? You see, you see how crazy this guy? I've forgotten everything. Who's main eventing that? Uh, the who's main eventing is going to be DC versus Johnson. Oh yeah, okay. So you know, there's yeah. that. But that yeah. is in uh, two weeks, and we will be back to talk about that and everything else going on. It won't be the big part of uh, MMA. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the big. For. They're looking for like 500,000 buys, and these, these aren't the guys that are going to get it for you, unfortunately. Yeah, these are not the guy. 
Um, these are not the guys to get it for you. So with that, but, uh, in yeah, line, as always, go ahead. As it is, as always, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you and uh, all the fans who support us and support the pieces we do. Much we're gonna keep on giving you our best efforts and uh, doing our best to, in the future, like leading more interviews and uh, taking different looks at the, at the MMA. We're just not gonna be stuck in the analysis fight thing. We're gonna talk about all aspects of it. And um, j just for fans, if you have any questions you want on the show, um, hashtag MMA ratings. We will answer the show. We will answer any and all questions on the show you have for us. Definitely, we definitely support um, all of the uh, all of the love that you guys send us, and all of the um, just even like the views, the likes, the comments. We appreciate all of it, except for that idiot whose comments I had to um, delete a few weeks back, but I'm not even going to uh, give that guy any more shine than that. He knows who he yeah, is. Yeah, all the, all the real fans, we appreciate you, and thank you for showing your support and everything. Uh, do our best to live up to the support, and we're going to keep giving you good shows, keep giving you good content. And uh, like I said, you have any questions or comments, let us know. We're here for you, and we're going to do our very best for you. Awesome, guys. Uh, have a great night, everyone. Have a good night, Sean. All right. Take it easy.